Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. I think I'm Annie you, Warmke you today. Are today. Not sure. Check your pulse. Yes, you still are. And today we're going to talk about it's the end of the world as we know it, part two, oh, right? I... Part two. So, so in part one, oh, and I should say we are joined. <laughs> I almost forgot the young parts. I know. I almost <laughs> forgot the young parts. We're joined today for a perspective from the post-2000, the post-2000 league. I keep wanting to say 20-something, 20 2000. <laughs> um, joined by Anna Hott and uh, Dahlia Fab-Soto. And uh, they are joining us to give us the perspective of representing their entire generation of younger people. Anna is a recent graduate from OSU mm -hmm. with a degree in environmental policy. And decision-making. And decision-making. No, nobody in policy ever makes a decision. <laughs> they have a committee meeting, they distribute a memo, and then they say why they can't do it, and, and they have to have another meeting. Yeah. And psychiatry. Psychology. Psychology. <laughs> Okay, I just gave you a doctorate. And, um, <laughs> Dahlia is also a student at OSU, mm -hmm. and uh, you are studying biology. Biology, which which I won't even get into. What, but you're thinking of changing that, yes? Maybe to what? What would be what would be after post biology? It might be anthropology and or archaeology. So dead biology. I think it's yeah. going to be uh, I think it's going to be plumbing, electrical and welding All right. so, yeah. so so I'm interested in the live people. Dahlia is interested in the people who are already dead. I think I'm with Dahlia. <laughs> I know dead you are. people are a yeah. lot more a lot less trouble. <laughs> so all right and and representing Ohio University in this the corner Ohio, the Ohio University. University is Annie Warmke <laughs> along with uh, the Ohio University graduate Jay Warmke. And uh, so what anyway our discussion in in part 1 of this epic was that um, <laughs> we were trying to get a perspective of how things are going basically from in your our, perspective in our culture and and you guys were agreeing that everything's kind of falling apart and it's annie's fault so i think we're all agreed in that i am the so. opposition leader so, so i don't care um and and i thought that was interesting because um you know the the thing the takeaway i found is because i'm tend to be optimistic that things yeah they feel like they're bad but when you look at the long term, it's like looking at a painting from a long way away versus close up. From a distance. Yeah, everything mm. looks crappy when you study <laughs> it really close. You know, you see all the pimples and everything. But but it looks good when you back up. Annie and you guys are saying, but I don't live backed up. I live in the middle of this sewer and it feels <laughs> bad. Okay, so that's kind of the takeaway. So my well, that might not so be so bad, except we live in a culture that is way out there and is refusing to acknowledge that these things exist. Yeah, well, and that's what we talked about in the last. Episode. I don't know if they refuse to acknowledge it, because if you asked people are things going pretty crappy, they would tend to say, yeah, you know, um, but are you going to do anything about it? And then they would go, well, uh, you know, I, um, what, would we do? what about yeah. Kim Kardashian? You know, <laughs> why me? Yeah. Why me? No. And, and that's what's in it for me. Yeah. And that I think is a realistic perspective. When we look at these global problems, when you look at the problem of global warming, the political dysfunction, poverty, racism, um, all of these things, what can you do about it? You know, as an individual, what can you do? 
Well, so I'm not going to answer that question yet, but I am going to say. <laughs> See, there's the that, problem. <laughs> that one of the things that we don't do is look at the whole picture. So it's fine to say we're going to all draw back and from a distance, we're going to look at everything and it's going to look great. But we don't look at the whole picture. We only look at how it impacts me and the world that I am living in, which might be, you know, the apartment building or a house on the cul-de-sac. So what I think we like to talk about, I know we talk about at Blue Rock Station and we talk about on the podcast, is the idea of looking at all the facets, all these categories of life um, and and making some kind of measurement, like how we access information and education. Most people are gonna say Facebook. Eh, that's the wrong answer. You know, we need to have okay. uh, we need to have better ways we look at these different s systems that have fallen apart. And that's what we talked about in the last episode. Okay, that's what we talked about. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about. So, okay, Dahlia, Anna, um, what 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 do you think we as a society and you as individuals can do to try and make the world a well, little we, bit let's better? Let's talk about the challenges. What are the challenges in things like education, politics, so social, and being resilient? All right. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I often think that it's really bad how people over the years and still now are, they go to school, they have terrible schooling in the U.S. We don't learn stuff that we can actually use in our day-to-day -day lives. And then we go to college, at least some of us go to college, and then we graduate, and then you're forced to work for a long time. You're probably in debt, and then you retire, and you still have stuff to pay. It's like all you have to focus on is working for the government, which doesn't really sound fun. So it's just kind of sad how we've built this system to just make ourselves unhappy and we should focus on being happy. Um, Anna actually said a few days ago or yesterday how people are kind of in this forced isolation. You're kind of supposed to, you have all these problems and you're supposed to deal with them on your own and you're supposed to put up with that, even though in a like in harmony it just works better if you can depend on someone and they can depend on you that's a good relationship to have and to build on and to utilize because it just makes both of you happier in the long run yeah and i think it especially today it's kind of like three steps forward and then two steps back so it seems like progress is being made and then there's a push backwards but you're still a little bit ahead from where we used to be. And I think especially with education, like Dahlia said, we're not really taught to succeed in the real world. We're not taught about taxes and how to file taxes. We're not taught, um, well, if your parents taught you or your grandparents taught you how to cook, um, but I was never taught to cook. Um, how do you meal prep? and plan out your food so you're not doing takeout and fast food, which is terrible for the your um, budget and terrible for your body. Um, how well, One thing you talked about is the need to know more about banking and writing checks and managing all of that. Absolutely. We're, we're not taught to be resilient. We're not taught how to, to thrive. 
we're taught how to be reliant on the government and um, big ag and institutions that make more money than we could ever count or ever see. Do you think any of these groups are coming to help you? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because you raise the issue, um, the same exact issue. I've been attending a lot of these uh, national like uh, workforce development meetings. And all of the people, I particularly am involved in the solar industry, and the solar people are always telling the government, they say, what do you need from the educational environment? And they come back and they say, we need people with basic life skills. Are they going to show up to work? Can they figure out how to get from here to there? Can they not be taking drugs? Can they do basic addition, multiplication? It never comes up to, we need highly trained technical engineering types it's always like we need the basic life skills because the people we're seeing don't have it and now what i'm hearing you say is that's what i want man mm -hmm. i want these basic life skills because nobody's teaching me these things yeah and a lot of the things you're either taught by watching someone else do them if you're lucky or you struggle through and have to teach yourself and nobody's got grandma at home showing you how to do yeah. bake cookies anymore. <laughs> well, one thing that we learned, Jay and I learned after 2016 election of uh, Trump, um, we had a lot of people contacting us, uh, former interns and, um, and young people. They were mostly young people and they were distraught. And uh, so we said, come for the weekend. And they did. And we had a lot of discussion about um you know what their hopes and dreams were and what the challenges were and and the number one thing that came up was the need to have skill sets that give you resiliency they said that would make them feel helpful uh you know this is like a long time ago 2016 and we're still looking at this issue and no ch real change um any anyway one of the things that we were talking about yesterday is the fact that um there have been several states that have tried to make it against the law to repair things. So you couldn't set up a shop to repair toasters or microwaves. I've been trying to make that a law in this house for a while because <laughs> it always ends up. I gotta, no, but that's, and that is absolutely, that's like the most, it's almost a parody of corporatism. Yeah, exactly. We don't want funny. you to have the ability or even the legal right to fix something. We want to force you to buy something new. Yeah, and that's so ridiculous. Well, planned obsolescence, you know, everything is built to to uh, go bad in six months. And like we had a washing machine that went bad pretty quickly after the warranty went off of it. And um, and so I asked the guy, could we just replace the drum? And he said, no, because it would be a thousand dollars because it's um, welded to the housing. And that means you got to replace everything. Well, they did mm -hmm. that on purpose because now you can't fix it. All right. So you're saying that basic life skills, you know, you basically, you're going through, you're paying a lot of money, um, to going get, to get an education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The education you're getting is, is not necessarily the education you need. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, this is one of the criticisms I have of the educational system at being involved in as, as a teacher is it always feels like people teach what's easy to teach and they test what's easy to test rather than getting into what you really need to know. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of an aside. But then I guess the other question is, my initial question to you was perhaps wrong. What can you do about it? 
Well, is that then imposing upon you the old John Wayne manifest destiny? You know, <laughs> we're all Americans and we're going to deal with it. And should it be more the collective, what are we going to do about it? You know, um, because maybe these problems cannot be solved by you, mm-hmm. but they can be solved by us. I would agree with that because, I mean, with the whole localization stuff that I've learned being here, it's just an ideal situation to be in where it's not all only on one person to make the difference, but it's actually a large group of people working together to actually make change, which is usually how it's been made. Um, And in using basic life skills that we could learn in school, it would just make like creating that group a lot easier for everybody. Yeah. And I think asking that question um, kind of makes people feel hopeless because it's like, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Because we, we're kind of taught not to think for ourselves. We're, we're taught how to listen to orders, follow directions, and not talk unless we're asked a question. And so when we actually are asked questions that are thought-provoking and need time to think about, we're kind of like deer in the headlights. Well, I don't know. There's nothing I can do. And that's really an issue. We need to, yeah, there's something that I can do. There's something that everyone can do. And Dali is completely right. We could get together as a community and community action. But we think me individually, we don't consider the broader picture of community. Well, let me break here for a second and let everybody know that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. All right. So, and and maybe change will happen because it has to. Yeah. Well, that's a, we, that's a whole nother thing we could go into. But I want to just make one comment on what Dahlia said because, and also Anna, because we believe here in the work we do at Blue Rock Station in that idea of building community. But one of the things that corporations like to do is to make it about the individual, put that focus back on that individual instead of the corporation. So, you know, they love to greenwash things like they're doing so great when it's a bold faced lie, but then they say, it's on you. You need to fix your water faucet or you need to shop locally or whatever. And Oh, they never say that. Oh yeah, they do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Only saw, if they're a local vendor. Saw, don't use straws. Tobacco company. Yeah, don't use straws. That's going to save the world. There you go. And, and so I think, I think we have to move out of that way of thinking. I think we have to refuse to, um, to say it's about the individual. It is about how I contribute to the group, mm-hmm. but it is not about, uh, it's not my responsibility to change things. And if we take the tact it is, then that's how we get to where we are right now, where mm-hmm. where we're totally neutered in yeah, terms helpless. of being able to, to make change because nobody in corporate America and nobody in the government is really listening. Well, I saw an interesting uh, video long ago. It was like they were interviewing the CEO of Nokia uh, which was, I, I think, a Swedish firm. And they were asking him, he said, basically, he made like $10 million a year. 
and he paid seven million dollars a year in taxes or eight million dollars a year in taxes and the and the American business reporter was saying don't why why do you you know isn't that terrible and and he was looking at him going I am proud to be able to contribute that much to my country my country mm -hmm. does so much for me and who needs more than two million dollars I mean that's crazy and and it was just this perspective that's completely different than the American version of he who dies with the most toys wins, you know, and, and, and that, that was an interesting perspective. So speaking of interesting perspectives, I wanted to throw this past you and see, um, there's an interesting book called the uh, paradox of choice. And this is one of those issues that uh, may contribute to people's unhappiness. And I think your generation is faced with this more than any other. You mentioned uh, in the last show that, um, there are just so many news outlets, so many media, so many distractions. And this, this uh, paradox of choice says, when you are given too many choices, you will feel less happy than if you're giving just a couple of choices. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it builds unrealistic expectations for yourself. For instance, you look at Facebook and everybody's best day is you're assuming is the normal day and they're posting about their vacation in Cancun and you're going, how come I can't afford to go to Toledo, you know? <laughs> and, and then the other thing is when you have so many choices and you come away feeling dissatisfied, it's your fault because you're the one who made the choice, mm. you know? So, so what's your perspective on that? Do you, do you see that in reality or is that somebody explaining why things are going to crap? I just want to say while you're thinking about that is that there's a study that was done in the 1950s to look at people's happiness, their level of happiness. And the peak happiness in this country happened in 1956, and it has gone down every year. And we had since no then. choices in 1956. <laughs> <laughs> we had TV dinners. Yeah. All right. So, so what's your perspective on that? Do you feel better when you get to choose between 7,000 things on a menu versus six? Well, for a menu, <laughs> the more the better, I would say. But <laughs> in life, I think it it's better if there's a limited amount of choices to make because we often get overwhelmed and then we it turns to discouragement and then we just don't know what to do and we just sit there and can't think about the right choice to make anymore. And then we go into the struggle of like, knowing should we make the choice for yourself or for other people? And it's just hard to choose when there are so many choices to make. So you're paralyzed. Yeah. Yes. And if you do make a decision, then afterwards you most likely are gonna regret your decision when you find out that there is a better choice to make, either financially or for the environment, um, and then you'll just feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of it is with like comparing ourselves to other people. It's like if we make this choice and someone else makes another choice, oh, is that one better? And did I make the wrong choice? And I think comparing ourselves with other people is really the base of a lot of problems that we have and deal with still. And I think we should just take accountability for ourselves and try to build confidence and 
mm-hmm. be competent in your own person. Yeah. And another thing is that we are creatures of habit. And when we are given the, that many choices, sometimes we fall back on what we've done before or what our parents did before because it's familiar. Even though it may not be the best choice, it may be the worst choice, but it gives us some kind of hold (laughs) to hold on to because at least we can fall back on that rather than try something new. Well, it's also muscle memory. You know, the reality is it feels familiar and so you're going to do it. Well, when you were saying this, it reminded me a little bit. I was talking to our granddaughter, Catlin, back when she was in high school. And I was saying, you know, if I could go back to high school, the one thing I wish I knew then was I spent my entire time in high school mortified that everybody was looking at me. Everything I did was being judged and, and I was being criticized. And now I realize nobody really cared about what I did or how I looked. They're all mortified that everybody's looking at them. Mm-hmm. And I wish that had given me, if I knew that, I think I would have maybe had more confidence. So, so how can you, knowing this, because I just told you, right? <laughs> um, how can you get, I mean, more confident? I mean, you guys are saying, okay, I got to go out and change the world as a group collectively or individually, you know, what can you do? Um, What are you learning in this process of being here at Blue Rock Station or life or general? It's going to give you a little more confidence. I think for me, at least to be more confident, it's just to have like these skills that I've learned here, whether it's like gardening for myself, providing myself with food, like some workshop skills like carpentry or plumbing or stuff like that it's just so i know that i can do it myself and i don't have to rely on some corporation to call someone to come into my house and fix it for me and it might be a bad job it might be low quality and then i have to keep relying on them and calling them to keep fixing it whereas i can just do it myself and And then I realized that I can keep doing stuff myself and that would help me build confidence at least. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of um, self-sufficient and being able to rely on yourself, but then also being open to accept help from others or give help to others if they need it. Um, And I think something that we've talked about a little bit is um being able to be resilient and being able to continue on living without the need of of corporate america shoving their way into your window or door um which they'll be very happy to do so kind of what dahlia talked about like being able to grow your own food that's something that is a long-term goal of mine it's not something that is going to be i may not going to be able to accomplish that this year and probably not next year but it's something that i want to be able to do i want to be able to rely upon myself for my own my own produce and i think that's really important um regardless of what topic or um, focus people go into, being able to rely upon themselves and to people close to them would make significant, significant change. 
One of the things that I've seen in working with women um, in workshops where we teach carpentry and things like that is we're not really teaching carpentry. That takes a long time to learn, but we are teaching things like how to measure, uh, how to pull nails. The first time women actually pull nails and use the the leverage that not just try to yank on it, which hardly ever works. Uh, they're so proud of themselves. It's like an instant boost in confidence. They learn how to back up a trailer, an instant boost of confidence. And so it, these are not brainiac things. These are things that are just sort of like you have the ability to do it. Just somebody teaching you the little nuances of how it works. And I feel like if we talk about the future and where we're going with things, I think we are going to be looking at a big surge, a big push for people to learn resiliency. They're going to have to with what's coming with all the climate changes. And and it's going to build a certain level of confidence in people. Well, I think it sounds like if I'm going to try and sum up what we're seeing here, what I'm seeing here is is you're saying, I have felt so helpless and discouraged because for so long, it's been the government's going to fix this. The corporations are going to fix this. My educational system's going to fix this. And I've been disappointed and let down every single time I've had to depend on some nebulous entity mm -hmm. that tells me they're going to make it all right. And now I just need to understand I got to fix it. I, I got to fix me. You know, I've got to be able. And if you begin to have those skills to say, I may not know how to fix a lawnmower right now because it broke down, but I know enough to figure out how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, and that That's makes big. me feel a lot better, a lot less out of control, mm -hmm. you know, or I don't know, I don't have a tomato right now, but I know how to grow one, mm -hmm. you know, well, that, that takes some of the pressure off because these other entities just constantly let you down. But also understanding the process, like I'm going to save seeds and be a revolutionary, and then for sure I'm going to grow tomatoes. Oh, you little subversive. <laughs> I know it. I'm the, I'm the opposition leader. I've got zucchini. <laughs> and the seeds to prove it. Right. So, but what I thought we could end with, because we're going to run out of time here, is what do you think enough looks like? And I feel like that's an important thing to define in my own life, because when I know what enough looks like, then I can be content. For me, enough is just a vision comes to my mind where I just have a small little house somewhere in the country land and a garden, and I can maybe drive to the nearby town and pick up stuff from other people, but it's just like the simple living is enough for me. I don't need to live in a skyscraper. I don't need five TVs. It's just too much. And mm. we live like that now because it's so easy to get all of that for a lot of people. And it's immediate. But we need to be more self-aware and realize that stuff takes time. And that's okay. You don't need to be impatient about it. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. I think a little cottage in the woods is my, is my dream. Um, maybe have maybe have some goats. We'll see. Um, and yeah, being able to have a vegetable garden as well as an herb garden because I love tea. And then maybe if I'm very lucky, have some flowers to go along with them. 
Okay, well, coming from the land of enough, a little cabin in the woods with goats and the like, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jan Annie Warmke. We want to thank Anna Hott and uh, Dahlia Fab Soto for joining us, giving you the perspective of a generation, and good luck to you. We screwed it up, now it's your turn. <laughs> and we want to thank our Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam Rich. Thank you for spending a little time with us, and as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your veggies, Jay. All right, till next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.